What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena with Rob and Griff. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host, Rob Goldberger. And we're back this week, a big week in sports. Today, we're going to be doing our final, our fifth and final mock drafts for the NFL draft that starts this Thursday. Very exciting. We're also going to be talking about the NBA playoffs. Obviously, most series at this point, three or four games through uh through the first series of the playoffs has been very exciting so far. We're going to break that down. But before we get started, I do just want to say, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe uh, to the channel. We, we really would greatly appreciate it if you subscribe. We know these mock drafts are doing well, getting a lot of views, new viewers to the channel, which we appreciate. So if you're new to the channel, just drop a subscribe. We do these podcasts weekly. Um, we're going to also start trying to do a little more uh, as part of my senior project i'm going to be working more on this podcast so expect the quality to go up of the podcast we're going to start having more guests on stuff like that so um, a lot of exciting stuff has come in i promise it's worth the subscribe so please um i don't want to beg here but uh we'd greatly appreciate if you if you subscribe to the channel but with that um we're just going to jump right into things we got a lot to talk about we're going to be doing uh the same format we've done um if you've watched these videos before for our mock draft so i will share my screen first and, uh, you know, we're just going to jump right into it. Obviously, the draft is this um, Thursday. So, um, you know, we will next week, obviously, break down whatever happens uh, the first round, see what happens, anything surprising, which I'm sure there will be. Um, and, yeah, uh, with that, um, the first overall selection, uh, I think it's just at this point, I want to try and get it so I can use my stinking – Okay, there we go. Got it. Um, Aiden Hutchinson. I, I feel like we've talked about this. I think he's the best player at this point. I don't know if he's the best player, honestly, but at this point, this is what I think is going to happen. And I think at this point, this guy is, uh, for most teams, the consensus top guy. So Aiden Hutchinson to Jacksonville. Number two, um, I'm sticking with the same thing that I've been having. It's Trayvon Walker. Um, I think his stock at this moment is through the roof. I think these teams really like him. I think they like his intangibles. I think he'll go to Detroit, who is, uh, I think, needs to go for a pass rusher. They took, obviously, Penny Sewell last year with the first-round pick. So I think that essentially eliminates them taking a tackle here. I mean, I've heard that there's buzz of Derek Stingley going top three. I don't think that will happen. I think that would be pure insanity and idiotic, especially for Detroit after taking Jeff Okuda, uh, you know, two years ago at this point. Um, so I think Trayvon Walker will be the pick here. Number three, Houston. Uh, same top three for me, Kemi Kwanu. Um, I think this guy, I mean, I, I honestly think Evan Neal might be better, but I mean, this is kind of a similar thing that, you know, we've kept talking about as we've done these mock drafts, like these guys' stocks just go through the roof. These teams blow these guys up. I think Iquan is a very talented player um, and very well may be the best tackle in this class. Um, I like what I've seen from Evan Neal a little bit more, but I think Iquanu goes to the Texans. And then this is where things get interesting. Number four, the New York Jets. Um I've, I've varied this pick a lot. I've had Kyle Hamilton here. I've had Garrett Wilson last week. And I've just heard so much buzz recently about this guy to the Jets. And, and I just think at this point that this is what makes sense. And it, it's Kayvon Thibodeau for me. I think that the Jets are in need of an edge rusher. I think Robert Sala, this guy is a, a defensive wizard. And, and right now he doesn't have the pieces to do what he did in San Francisco, where he had guys like Nick Bosa, and, uh, you know, Fred Warner on the defense. He doesn't have those pieces right now. And to me, when you have Robert Sala as your head coach, you're not truly enjoying the benefits of his, of his coaching and his knowledge if you don't have a, a elite defensive players on the field. And I think that it would be 
I think as much as the Jets need a playmaker, I think Thibodeau has a chance to be the best player from this draft. I think this could be a home run pick, and I think the New York Jets absolutely need to make this pick. And I think Kayvon Thibodeau to the Jets, it just makes sense. And I think at this point, you know, I've had this guy all over the place in some of my mock drafts. I think this guy's a top five player. I think this guy could be the best player in the draft. So I think the New York Jets can't go wrong with this pick. I think they have to make it and can't risk letting this guy out of their uh, out of their sights. Um, so that's my pick for the New York Jets. And then number five, um, I think I've had this almost the entire, all throughout my mock, five mock drafts, and that's Evan Neal to the Giants. Um, the Giants are really set up to have some success. And for a team that is in such a bad spot with their franchise and in a dire spot, I mean, you hear rumors, of uh, Kadarius Tony's on the training block, which is crazy. I mean, he really can stay healthy. Um, I mean, it seems like new uh, new GM. I forget. Joe Schoen. Joe Schoen. Yeah, Joe Schoen. Um, it seems like he's really just trying to clean house. I think this is just going to be a year for him where he sees what, you know, who might be able to be here in the future. And, uh, you know, he'll evaluate and, and essentially reassess next offseason and, and probably tear down this team. But uh, Evan Neal is a, a cornerstone block. Hopefully Andrew Thomas for them can figure it out. And then the, you have your two uh, – Franchise tackles, um, I mean, two top five tackles, you, you got to hit on both those picks. And uh, Evan Neal, I think, is a, a pretty reliable bet. I don't think this is Andrew Thomas yeah, where I mean, a reach in this case. I think Evan Neal, Evan Neal arguably uh, could be the, the number one pick in this draft. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I just don't know if anything's reliable for the New York Giants anymore. That is true. <laughs> but it's a new era. The, you know, you've got Brian Dabble as head coach, Joe Schoen as the GM. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens, but I All will right. stop my share and let you give your first 10. Fortunately, I can't have as dramatic of a reveal as you because there's some, but so here's my top five. Okay. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I was going to have a real stuff. I have Aiden Hutchinson at one. I think that's pretty obvious. I think that's been the case for a really long time. Uh, I don't think that the Jaguars have ever really wavered for that. There was some talk about Trayvon Walker, but I think, Aiden Hutchinson is ultimately the guy at one. It's the guy that Trent Baalke and the Jags hierarchy want. And like you said, I think it's the guy that most people around the league view as the top overall player in this draft. So I think Hutchinson won. And then at number two, I have something that hasn't really been mocked in a long time. But I have this feeling there's been a lot of talk about it. There's been a lot of talk about the Lions just wanting to go with the best player available. And I think the best player available is absolutely Kayvon Thibodeau. You've heard a lot of like you said, I don't think they're going to go for any of the tackles. I think the selection of Penisuel sort of eliminated that, like you said. And I think they're going to go with Thibodeau over Walker. I think they're just, I think at the end of the day, teams are going to realize that they went through this whole up and down process with Thibodeau. And I think he's just going to end up winding up where he was projected to go in the first place. Cause I think the Lions are going to realize that they can't miss out on, like you said, what I think could be the best player in the draft. I think a guy who is far more pro ready than Trayvon Walker. And I think probably a far safer bet. Number three, I have Ike Aquano. I've had this for a while. I think the Texans just want to tackle in this top five, and I think Aquano is the guy they've sort of settled on, but they'll have no choice of Neil and Aquano. It wouldn't shock me to see them go with Neil, but I think Aquano is probably the guy they're going to go with. And then at four, I have a real surprise here. We've heard a lot of uh, – Derek Stingley over the past two weeks, ever since his pro day, has sort of shot up. You know, there was some talk about him even dropping to the early 20s a couple months ago, but this is a guy who I don't think probably gets past six or seven at this point. I think – uh, you've heard a lot of buzz about him in the Lions, and uh, I couldn't imagine that happening two years in a row, or two out of three years. I could not imagine that happening. Um, I, I think Derek Stingley, I've said it before, I think he's the best corner in this draft. I think a lot of NFL teams like the fact that he's younger than Sauce Gardner. I think a lot of fact, a lot of teams acknowledge the fact that his freshman year tape was some of the greatest 
corner tape ever. And, you know, the, some of this, some of these injuries might, might've held him back in recent years. So I think if a co- team is confident in his health, I think he's undoubtedly the best corner in this draft. I think the jets, like you said, defense, look, look, they want to build through that defense. And I think a corner or an edge here would, would certainly be the case. But if, if, if Thibodeau and Hutchinson are both off the board here for me, I, I see them going with, uh, with, uh, with a corner uh, at, at four. So, yeah, and Derek Stingley, I think, is going to be the number one corner by the time this draft rolls around. Uh, and Evan Neal to the Giants. I've had this past however many weeks, just like you have. Uh, I, I think the Giants are just going to take whichever one of Iquanu or Neal is there. And I think it's pretty much shaped up that Evan Neal is going to be the pick at five if he's there. So uh, I, I'm, I haven't changed that. And I'll, I'll go to pick 10 now. So I had this last week, too. I've, I've had it a lot. I've Kenny Pickett to the to the uh, to Pitt or to Kenny Pickett from Pitt to the Panthers. Sorry, the Pitt Panthers. Funny enough, is there <laughs> and the Panthers to the Panthers. But uh, I think the Panther. I think I've said it before. I just don't think Matt Rule is going to go into this do or die season with Sam Darnold as his quarterback. I think he much rather have an unknown and the most pro ready unknown. I would say than the guy who we know isn't good enough to cut to cut it at the top levels. But because. For everybody in that organization, tomorrow is – or next year, the entirety of next year is Judgment Day because, you know, you could even see Matt Rule gone by week 9 or 10 if the, if the Panthers don't substantially improve playing two other not pretty weak teams in that division. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I think – I just see Pickett. I think Pickett has sort of established himself as the clear-cut quarterback one in this class. Malik Willis had his time a little bit at the top, but I think Kenny Pickett is that guy now, and I think he's going to be six overall pick for the Panthers at seven. I think this is where Trevon Walker's fall stops, uh, fall, which is crazy to say. I think set a couple months ago he would have been thrilled to go pick number seven. But, yeah, I, I think the Giants are just going to try to, like you said, just go to a complete rebuild, and they're going to try to rebuild through those trenches. Uh, and, you know, the Giants are going to be awful for a long time. They have time to sit there and watch Trevon Walker develop. Uh, like you said, I just think – you said this is going to be a complete organizational teardown. Like it wouldn't be su- surprised me to see, you know, Saquon Barkley out of there in a year or two. It really wouldn't. I think this is probably Daniel Jones last year. Uh, uh, they're going to get Mir to evaluate him. I don't think he's all that. Uh, and I think Trevon Walker is the NFL has sort of just said that he's going to be, you know, one of the top seven or eight picks because that, that, like you said, they believe in this guy's physical ability and intangibles. And even though he didn't rack up the stats at Georgia, they think that, his physical tools can turn him into, you know, potentially one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. I don't see it over Hutchinson and Thibodeau, and that's why I have them in the top two here. But, yeah. Uh, and so this is – I actually have a massive trade up here. I'm sorry. I can't – still can't activate trades, but I have a massive trade up here. I have the Packers trading uh, their two firsts and a second and a third for this first and Atlanta second. Uh, and I have them trading up to select Garrett Wilson here the Packers. I think they're going to go up and get the, the the number one receiver in this draft. I think, Wow. I, I think they need a replacement for a rod and they need, or not, they need a replacement for Devonte for a rod. And I think they're going to go up and get Garrett Wilson. I don't know how much they necessarily believe in the rest of these receivers at the bottom of the third, first round, because a lot of them, you know, these are guys that could go anywhere from the end of the first to the beginning of the third. So it's like, do we really I, I just don't know how confident these guys in the NFL because to me, the names are shifting so constantly at the back end of that first round that it tells me that the Packers really aren't in love with any of those players. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be pushing to get them, you know, number one target after Adams left. And I think Garrett Wilson is going to end up being that guy. And I think they have two first round picks. They have the ammo to do it. I doubt it'll happen. But if it does, 
I'll look like a genius. So. <laughs> and then at number nine, I actually have a little bit of a surprise pick here, a little bit of a deviation from what I've had the past couple of weeks. I got Sauce Gardner. I think the Seahawks, I, I've had him, you know, going way before the Seahawks pick in my last few mock drafts. I think, uh, I, I don't know. I think this is going to be a best player available type deal for Seattle. Uh, I understand, you know, they've liked Charles Cross a lot. Uh, I've had them go, him going there. It still wouldn't be surprised me if he's going there, but I think, you know, that defense and that secondary especially really needs to be badly rebuilt. And I think Sauce Gardner is going to be obviously one of the first steps to taking there, maybe reestablishing that Legion of Boom out there in Seattle. So I'm going to go with uh, Sauce Gardner. We know Pete Carroll. We know that the Seahawks have had some very, very, very strange first round selections over the past couple of years. Jordan Brooks, Rashad Penny, all guys who weren't really expected to be first round picks. But look, it's it'll be weird to see them having a top 10. But uh, I, I'll go with Sauce Gardner here. Uh, and then at 10, I've had Drake London the past few weeks here. Wow. I think that the NFL has started to realize, and I think that this is going to be a trend that you're going to see in upcoming years, that these injuries are going to start to not deter teams from picking guys early. Because I think the thought process for a lot of NFL teams, at least from what I've been listening to and what I've been reading to from podcasts and you know uh, articles, I think uh, – the NFL teams are no longer going to allow themselves to be deterred from a guy who they think is the best receiver, one of the best players available because of an ACL injury that happened a few, like, you know, in January of their, before their rookie season, I think they're going to just to start to weigh that, you know, the long-term benefit that sort of, you know, outside of the risk. So I'm, I've had Drake London there the past couple of weeks. I'm going to go with Jamison Williams here. I think his stock has been rising. I think at one point, you know, people thought he was going to go at the end of the first round. I had him in the teens last week to the Eagles. And I think the Jets are going to, I think he's ultimately going to wind up creeping all the way up to that top 10. So I'll throw it back over to you. Wow, some different stuff there for uh, sure. Yeah, listen, look, look, it was the last draft, it was the last mock draft. Exactly. I, I like you know, it. I, I figured I might as well, I figured I might as well uh you know be creative, be have some interesting stuff. I like it, I like it. All right. As soon as this loads, we'll be good. Will it load? There we go. There's Evan Neal. All right, number six, Carolina. Um, I'm going with Kenny Pickett too. I agree. I think uh you know, I, I to be honest, I don't think Kenny Pickett really is anything special. I think he is a probably going to be an average quarterback if I had to say in the NFL. I don't think he's really got the uh, the ability to compete with uh, some of these top tier quarterbacks. And you know, I think for the Panthers, though, um, you know, they're in a spot where you know Sam Darnold's the the main guy on their roster right now. I don't they didn't re-sign Cam or anything. So I mean, it, it, Cam yeah, was a disaster it, too. Yeah, so. Their key they, room is PG PJ Walker, who was terrible too, and Sam Darnold. So, so I mean, it's just a disaster there. And I mean, look, this offense has weapons. You've got DJ Moore, you got Robbie Anderson, you've got Christian McCaffrey. Um, and you know, I think that if if this pick on on Thursday night is not a quarterback, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to end up trading for Baker Mayfield. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think that. I, I and I, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if that's what they do. Because at this point, I mean, Baker Mayfield. I, I don't really think it's going to cost you much. It might cost you a day three pick at this point for Baker, um, just for the Browns to unload that salary. The Browns, I mean, the, the Cleveland Browns, and they've pulled off a masterclass in salary. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's insane right now. They they have twenty seven million dollars right now in cap space after trading for Amari, Deshaun, and extending Denzel Ward. I mean, it's just like. It's insane. I mean, obviously the salary cap in the NFL is at this point a myth, but um, yeah, I think they go Kenny Pickett though. I, I, I mean, that's what I've had and, and I'm going to stick with it. 
Um, number seven, the New York Giants. This is where I went a little different this week. I had, I think last week I had Thibodeau here, so I had, I had to switch things around. I think at this spot, like you're, I kind of agree that they'll go with the best guy available. And I think at this point, you hear the rumors of Kadarius Tony being on the trading block. I think it just oh, shows wow. that this team is not careful, is not confident in any of those receivers. I think Kenny Gallon is going to be gone soon. I think they're going to draft Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. I think they're going to give themselves that elite playmaker at wide receiver for this team to really build their offense around. I think, like we've said, this team is headed for a total teardown. I think everyone in the NFL knows it. I think everyone on the Giants knows it. And I think this year is really just, you know, players have one last chance to prove that they might be useful in the rebuild. I think we're going to see Daniel Jones. I think we're going to see Saquon Barkley play their final seasons as New York Giants. Sterling Shepard probably out the door soon. Canarius Tony, it seems like, might be out the door. And to me, at this point, this team would need a wide receiver. I don't think that wide receiver room, I think they've got some guys there, but it's just nothing special at this point. I think Garrett Wilson would be something special for them and uh, just give you them that playmaker on offense for whoever's the quarterback next season. And obviously this season, I mean, giving Daniel Jones, Garrett Wilson, Kenny Galladay and all these weapons, you know, there really wouldn't be much of an excuse and, and you'd really get to see if Daniel Jones is good enough. So why not make it, you know, a situation where he really has to show himself and, and you know, he, he should be able to look good especially with Brian Dabble now as the head coach. So Garrett Wilson, the Giants. Number eight, this is another pick that I'm switching things up this week. I've had Atlanta going wide receiver ever since the Calvin Ridley suspension and then not bringing back Russell Gage. But at this pick, I think that this team will end up taking the player that is just the best on the board now that Garrett Wilson's not available. I think Drake London's a great player. I'll be honest. I think, you know, I, I have his stock kind of, not falling, but I, I just don't think he's a top eight player in this draft. So I think Kyle Hamilton, this is where he's going to end up going. I think Atlanta, I mean, you look at this team, they have a first round pick. They have two seconds and two thirds. Wide receiver is a position that in the draft, you can very well find gems in the second and third round. And I think with a player like Kyle Hamilton, especially at the safety position in the secondary position, I mean, he, he did not have as good of a, a pro day or combine as people probably would have liked. But I think at the end of the day, this guy is a, a serious talent at safety and can really change that defense. And, you know, you pair this guy up with A.J. Terrell in that secondary, and all of a sudden Atlanta's got something serious brewing there. And I think this team is still far ways away. I think they know that. And I think they're just going to try and put playmakers on the field. And I think that, you know, you can – I think this team has the ammunition in the on, with their day two picks, four picks in, in rounds two and three, to go after, you know, two wide receivers there and, and figure something out. I think Kyle Hamilton's a guy that you just can't pass up at the spot unless a guy like Garrett Wilson is there who would not be. I think Garrett Wilson, I honestly think Garrett Wilson is just by far at this point, the best wide receiver in this class um, with Jamison Williams, obviously being on coming on a torn ACL and recovering from that. I think Garrett Wilson is just so good. I, I really don't think Drake London is in the same tier as him. Um, uh, so I, I think Kyle Hamilton goes here. Number nine, um, you kind of touched on it. Um, Seahawks like Charles Cross. And that's what I ultimately think is going to happen. I think, you know, Sauce Gardner would be interesting, but the Seahawks are just in such a bad spot right now that I just think you picking a guy like Sauce Gardner just just keeps setting you back because if you miss on that pick, I mean, it's just like a disaster at this point. I think Sauce Gardner is going to be a very good player, um, but I just think this team desperately has needed O-line help for so long, and I think Charles Cross is a guy who's going to help you. He's going to really serve as a, a huge help at tackle, and look, this team, I mean, Seattle is a, you know, they are a long ways away from competing, it seems, at this point. I mean, they, who knows what's going to happen there. I, I'm still surprised they haven't traded a guy like a Tyler Lockett or even DK Metcalf, and they're just really trying to tear things down. But, um, I mean, 
losing Russell Wilson, losing Bobby Wagner. They really have had no draft capital in recent years. They really have no young talent. I just, you got to build on on, in the trenches for a team like that for me. So Charles Cross is the pick. Number 10, New York Jets. Um, I've I've had them going wide receiver at times. I've had them going corner here. I I think this is a best player mentality approach from the New York Jets. That's what you've heard Joe Douglas say. And I think that, I personally believe that Sauce Gardner is the best cornerback in the draft. I think that his college resume, I think it's just an pure insanity what this guy did in college. I think Derek Stingley's and I think him and Derek Stingley are both going to be superstars in this league. I just think Sauce Gardner right now, I think his stock at the moment is really high. I think there's been a lot of buzz about Stingley, but I, I just don't, I can't put him in the top 10 right now. I just don't find, I, I can't find a spot right now for him. If I'm being honest, I know you have him at four. Um, he very well could go in the top five. I mean, this, that's the thing about this draft that I think is insane. Yeah. Is like, there's yeah. really, I mean, any of these guys could go in any order. It's really, no one knows what's going to happen. And all it takes is one crazy thing happening from this draft going into total chaos. I mean, if this, if all of a sudden we see two quarterbacks, let's say go in the top five, I mean, this thing could turn into a, a, a total, like, I mean, this thing could be crazy. I and mean, this, this draft truly could be, just turn into insanity guys could start i think i truly believe that one of the players in this top 10 is probably going to fall into like the 15 range just because of how crazy things could get i mean i think that this could be an insane draft sauce gardner to the jets i think like we've said i think this team desperately needs help in the defense and i think robert sella wants to address that and and look zach wilson needs playmakers i think this team could very well be trading for debo samuel and that i saw something that they're willing to trade the number 10 pick and you know, if that's the case, I mean, that's a that's an offer that I think San Francisco would have trouble passing up if the number ten pick is in there. Um, that's really, really good draft capital for a wide receiver. And number ten, top ten selection. I mean, that's that's going to be really good. So we'll see what the Jets do ultimately. But Sauce Gardner for now. Washington. I, I've had this team going corner wide receiver. I'm going with Drake London here. I know I said his stock was. I, I, I this guy to me is in the you know ten to eleven range. I think Drake London's probably the, the second wide receiver off the board still for me. Um, I'm not quite thinking Jameson Williams will go top 10 like you. I think Drake London is a good player. I think Washington needs another wide receiver. I think we'll see that. Derek Stingley, this is where I have him going. Minnesota, I think I just went way. Yep, there we go. Uh, Derek Stingley, I mean, I, I think he – well, honestly, he'll probably go before this, but I think 12 is the the furthest this, my, this guy will ever um, fall to in this draft. I think mean, he's definitely a top 12 selection. I think the Minnesota Vikings need – some help in that secondary still. Derek Stingley will go to the Vikings. I've had this pick for weeks now. Jermaine Johnson, I think, I mean, I've had the Texans having Equanu and Johnson at this point. Um, I could see Jermaine Johnson going in the top 10. Um, I, I know there's a lot of buzz about him, and, you know, Ed Rusher is very highly coveted. We'll see. Um, number 14, Baltimore Ravens. I, I've had the Ravens all over the place. I've had Linderbaum. I had Linderbaum for a while, top 14. I can't – I. I don't think that's going to happen realistically. Happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I don't think that's going to happen. Could be Jordan Davis here. I, I, I think that's a potential interesting pick. I'm going with Chris Olave, though. Um, I think that this team still needs help at wide receiver. They don't – I think Marquise Brown is good, but I just don't think he's that number one wide receiver. I think you give Lamar Jackson, Chris Olave, paired with Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, J.K. Dobbins coming back. I think with this offense could really be something special. And, uh, yeah, and then number 15, Philadelphia. Um, I have them going Jameson Williams. I think Jameson Williams is definitely going to go in the top 15. I agree. His stock has definitely risen from what it was a few weeks or a month ago at this point. I think he is a top 15 player. And I think that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, 
you know, what is this number? The fourth wide receiver off the board wide receiver to me, it's just going to be whoever these teams prefer. They could go in any other order. We truly have no idea what this order could be. I mean, it really could be Chris Olave. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think teams have him higher than Garrett Wilson, but if one team has him higher than Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave could be the first wide receiver off the board at the end of the day. I think all these guys, I don't think, I think it's very unclear which one will go number one. I truly, I, I think it will be Garrett Wilson. I think you would agree with me that Garrett Wilson should be the first wide receiver off the board. But I think then with the next three, um, it's really uncertain. Could Jamison Williams fall? Yes. But uh, I mean, it just seems like this guy's stock is, is back up and, and back into the top 15. So that's what I have. I have Jamison Williams being a Philadelphia Eagle. Okay. So, sorry. At 11, I have Kyle Hamilton here. I've had this for weeks. I don't think he's going to, he gets to Washington. I don't think anybody's going to fall past him. I don't see him going in the top 10 just because I think I mentioned it like this Isaiah, Sin- Isaiah Simmons syndrome. People aren't sure exactly what to make him in one position to play in that, what kind of impact he can actually tangibly make. But I think if he gets to 11, Washington has been rumored to take it for weeks, had this for weeks. I explained it on past pods. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton here. I have a little bit surprised, but not really. I'm going to have Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State here. I, I think the Vikings, if Johnson gets to 12, the Vikings are going to take him. A couple of weeks ago, I had Thibodeau after he fell. It's no secret they won an edge here. Uh, and I'm going to go with Jermaine Johnson. It wouldn't surprise me to see him go in the top 10. That's what I'm saying. Like, there are probably like 15. That's what you're saying. There are probably like 15, 16 guys who could go in the top 10 realistically. Uh, and especially if quarterbacks go quick. Yeah. And I'm sure, like I said, there are three or four guys who might not even, you know, who I have up here who might not even go in the top 12. You know, we'll see. But I, I think Jermaine Johnson, if he's there, is almost about as surefire as a bet as you're going to get. Uh, for the Vikings. And I think it's going to be really disappointing for the Texans who are then going to adopt a best player available mentality and, you know, maybe see what uh, Davis Mills has got down there. So I'm going to go with a surprise pick here and I'm going to go with Drake London out of USC here. I think at this point he'll probably be the best player available. I think they really, really want to see whether, whether Davis Mills has got it or not, because he's surprised. Look, I was, you know, sort of questioning their picks, sort of questioning their decision to start him on here. And look, uh, he wasn't any worse than the likes of, I hate to say, you know, like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. He wasn't any worse than those guys. And towards the end of the season, I mean, him and Mac Jones stats are pretty comparable or, you know, comparable. So, I mean, I, I think they, they really want to see whether they got a quarterback down there. And I think they're just going to try to with surrounding as much skill position talent as possible. Uh, and I'm going to go Drake London here. And then the Ravens here, I'm going to go with Jordan Davis. Uh, I've had this for a few weeks. I think they really like him. I think Jordan Davis is just such a freak that he's not going to get out of the top 15. The Ravens desperately need interior line help. Devontae Wyatt could be another possible selection here, but I'm going to go with Jordan Davis here. Uh, and I talked about it on last week's pod, but it all just is dependent on how much this guy can stay on the field. Because if he can even be, you know, two two down guy, he's going to be one of the most impactful players in the national football league. Cause he's a, this he's an athletic freak. Uh, he almost doesn't make sense the way that he moves and that he's that large. It's just a matter, like I said, of his stamina and how he can stay on the field. And for that reason, I don't think he's going to go in the top 10. Like I've seen a couple mock drafts suggesting over the past couple weeks, it's a possibility, but I, I think he's not going to fall out of the fat top of team just because I mean, you know, how, how big that upside is for Jordan Davis. Uh, and then at 15, I'm going to go with Chris Olave here. The Eagles are almost guaranteed to take a wide receiver at 15. 
London will, like you said, it's all a matter of preference. So London, William, they're just going to take whichever one of London, Williams or Wilson isn't, uh, you know, is there. And I, in this, in this version, I have Olave uh, here and I would be thrilled with this. I think Chris Olave is a great wide receiver. Uh, I think all, I would be happy with any of these guys in the top four. I like the Ohio state guys and Jameson Williams a little bit more than Drake London, but I would be thrilled with any of these top four guys. And I think the Eagles are just going to end up going with whichever one of those wide receivers is still there at 15. And then here at 16, I have Malik Willis. Uh, I had him at 19 last week. I think the Saints are just going to sit there and take him at 16 for fear of somebody, you know, maybe making a trade with the Chargers. So I'm going to go with Malik Willis at 16 here. Uh, I think, you know, it's a good opportunity. It's a a good place for him to sit back and learn from Jameis Winston, uh, sit sit for a year. He's really probably not an NFL-ready quarterback year one at all. Um, this might not be a guy we're talking about as a first round pick in, in a lot of other years, but I, I think just because like you said, in the QB economy we're in, there's going to be, you know, guys pushed up every year. And I think Malik Willis could even go in the top 10, but I, I don't really see it. Uh, and I'm going to go with the saints taking him at 16 at the chargers. The chargers are going to be absolutely thrilled with this pick considering a lot of people had him in the top 10. He could still definitely go in the top 10. But I'm going to go with Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. I've had Trevor Penning here. It's no secret that the Chargers really want another tackle to help protect Justin Herbert. And they could be getting what a lot, what a lot of people think is one of the best players in this draft. Uh, and the Chargers sitting here at 17. I, I kind of didn't have a place for him to go in the top 10 after I sort of select, mocked uh, Sauce to the, to the Seahawks. But I, I have him fall into the Chargers here. And I think this is going to be a no-brainer if he's there. And I think – Based on the way this played out, I think it's very possible. So we'll see. Uh, and then at 18 for the Eagles, I think it's almost, almost certain that they're going to go wide receiver and corner, I think. Uh, and last week I had Andrew Booth. This week I have Trent McDuffie, whose stock seems to have risen out marginally in these past couple past couple of days. So I, I'm going to go with either McDuffie or Booth here. And I'm going to go – I finalized my pick with Trent McDuffie, but it wouldn't be surprising to see either of these two guys here. Uh, and I think you're going to just end up seeing a corner from the birds uh, uh, with their second pick. And then at 19, I have, you know, maybe the Saints started building their offensive core, foundational core here with Penning and Willis in the first round. You've seen a lot of rumors that Trevor Penning could potentially fall out of the first round. A lot of teams started don't like him these uh, these past couple weeks. But I, I think he might slip out of the top 10 or out of the top 15, but I don't see him getting past the New Orleans Saints at 19. I think they want to tackle here. I, I think they're going to use one of these two picks on a tackle. And I think if Trevor Penning is there, he's going to be one of them. And then at number 20, I had it last week too. I think this is almost makes too much sense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's going to be Desmond Ritter. Uh, and that's going to be the third QB taken in the top 20. Uh, and uh, all these, like I, like Griffith said, like I've said, all of these guys could be top 10 picks. All three of them, all three of them. And you've heard a lot of buzz about Sam Howell now too, uh, in, these, <laughs> in this past week. Uh but yeah, I, I, if it wouldn't surprise me to see the tra- the Steelers move up, but I think Riz- Ritter is actually going to sneak to twenty here, uh, and I think the Steelers really like him a lot. They've they've sort of telegraphed that. Uh, it's it's sort of become obvious these past couple of weeks. A lot of teams have pegged Desmond Ritter as the as the most pro ready quarterback, um, as the guy who had to run the most complicated offense in college. Which is funny because he went to the smallest school, but. Uh, yeah, but, but Desmond Ritter at 20 is going to be another no-brainer for the Pittsburgh Steelers if he's there. Uh, it's just a matter for me of whether they're going to have to move up. And in, in this draft, I don't have them moving up in my five. So, yeah. All right, Desmond Ritter 
um, to 20. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, I think that this is a, this draft is fascinating and, and it really could get crazy real quick because like you said, it's a quarterback's league. And even though these quarterbacks are, are very, you know, highly all considered, this is to be one of the worst classes in recent years at quarterback teams get desperate. And, and, you know, I mean, I I truly have no idea what's going to happen. Are we not going to see a quarterback? I mean, compared to next year, which is going to be probably first two picks guaranteed almost to be quarterbacks. It's kind of crazy, except for uh, what's his name out of Alabama. He might go number one, the edge rusher or linebacker. Um, Will Anderson. Yeah. Um, All right. Number 16. What'd you say? Yeah, he could definitely go number one for sure next year. I mean, if, if you see another team, a team who, you know, has their young quarterback there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, New Orleans, um, I, you know, I think that this is where uh, Jordan Davis goes. I, I've kind of had them linked with Jordan Davis for a while now. I think that, you know, they need a defensive tackle. They could use Jordan Davis on that D-line really just as a boost, and I think that it's right pick. I think Malik Willis is interesting here. I think that, though um, – they, they signed Jameis Winston, and I think they made this trade with the Eagles because they want to compete. And I think at 16, there wouldn't be necessarily a fear of missing on out on Malik Willis because I think they're comfortable taking two position players that aren't quarterbacks. So I think that they're ultimately going to go with Jordan Davis here. They don't want to risk losing him. They'd rather risk losing Malik Willis and trusting Jameis Winston. Number 17, um, I think the Chargers are going tackle. And to me, Trevor Penning is the fourth best guy. I, I, you know, I haven't, nece- I haven't necessarily seen the things you're saying that he might go out of the first round, but I'm sure that it's, you know, potentially accurate. Um, I just think tackle is just such an important position and that this spot chargers need to take one. Um, I, I do believe it's Trevor Penning. And then this is where I have my first trade of the draft. I have the Kansas city chiefs trading up with the Philadelphia Eagles to number 18 trading one of their first round picks. And then, you know, I don't know what else would be in the package, but probably, two or three more picks um, either this year's or next. I mean, the Philly, the Eagles would get, you know, a second, maybe a third, something like that um, to trade up in this first round. And I think Kansas city here would trade up and they would select Traylon Burks. I think Traylon Burks um, is a quality player. I think he kind of embodies Tyree kill a little bit. I think they're very similar. I think that trading up to 15 for Jameson Williams. I, I don't know if the Eagles want to move out of 15, to be honest. I think that they, feel probably pretty confident there that they're going to be able to land one of these wide receivers and that they do want to land one of these wide receivers. I think the chiefs could trade up even further, but then at that point you're really losing some, some serious draft capital and probably risking losing both your first round picks this year. So I think at this spot, Kansas city would probably only have to give up one first and some other picks. And I think they'd be comfortable doing that, getting Traylon Burks, a guy from the sec who uh, I think they could do a lot of really good things with. I've heard a lot of good things about Traylon Burks. I think this pick makes sense. And I think it's a, a uh, p- potential trade that would make sense. And then number 19, New Orleans, once again, picking, I had them going Jordan Davis. And this is where I have Malik Willis going. I think that Malik Willis ultimately, you know, he's probably going before number 19. If we're being honest, Malik Willis could go in the top. I mean, I, this is, and I keep, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but it's just like, I genuinely have no idea yeah. where these quarterbacks yeah. are going to go in this draft. I have no clue. I mean, we could see two quarterbacks go in the first round. We could see five quarterbacks go in the first round. I mean, it, it really, is insane just just this position in general um but i think that you know the saints could use a young quarterback and i think they're in the market for one i i just don't think at 16 they're gonna jump and and try and pull the trigger necessarily for a guy like willis because i just don't think he's necessarily as good as people i I just don't know if he's that guy but i think at 19 
at this spot, I mean, you may as well take the chance. I just don't think they're going to want to risk losing Jordan Davis for him. Um, but I do have Malik Willis going here. And then I have pit number 20. I also have the Pittsburgh Steelers going with Desmond Ritter. We've, I, I think we've now both had this for the past two weeks or so. Um, you know, I think Pittsburgh wants a quarterback here. Would I be surprised if they wait till the second round and try and go for a Sam Howell or maybe even a Matt Corral? No. Uh, but I think that it's a quarterback's league, like we're saying. These guys are going to go. And, you know, before you know it, that that it seems like that's the top five. Maybe Carson Strong, too, you could put in there. Um what order will they go in? I have no idea. But uh, Desmond Ritter, I think, will be a first-round pick. And the number 21, I've had this, I think, almost the entire time, Trent McDuffie in New England. I don't think he makes it past this pick. I think he's a sensational player. Um, what is this, the third best corner in the draft, I guess I'm saying? Yeah, and I agree yeah. with that. I think I think, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. I think he's number three for sure. Um, 22, I have the Green Bay Packers going with George Karlaftis. I think this guy's stock is on the rise a little bit. I think he's a really good player. I think he could honestly end up going in the top 15, top 20. Um, I think he's a heck of a player, heck of a defensive end, and that's a, a position we need, I think, for the Packers after losing a guy like Zadarius Smith. I think it would be a, a, a good add. I've had them going guard, but I, I think Karlaftis makes a lot of sense. 23, Andrew Booth Jr., I think Arizona. I, I've said they've needed a cornerback. I still feel that way. So I'm going to give them Andrew Booth Jr., who I think is, a, like you said, um, right up there with McDuffie. It seems like there's the top two with Sauce Gardner and uh, – uh, Derek Stingley, and then you kind of got that next tier of guys like McDuffie, Andrew Booth, maybe Kyer Lem in there too. Um, 24, I have the Dallas Cowboys going with Tyler Linderbaum. Um, I think it's a pick that makes sense. I think that this interior O-line, I mean, Zach Martin's been hurt a lot. They've lost some guys on that offensive line, and I think Linderbaum really gives you some flexibility. He can play center, a position, you know, that this team, you know, ever since, uh, what was his, Travis Frederick, I believe, correct, was their old center? yeah correct yeah so ever since he retired I and mean, they haven't had their necessarily franchise guy there Linderbaum could definitely give you that or he could play guard to whatever you need I, obviously that Dallas line just at this point has a history of getting injured so Linderbaum would be a nice safe bet and then at 25 um I have the Buffalo Bills going with Kyrie Lam. I think it is uh pretty well known that this team wants a cornerback to go off as a Trey White and I think uh Kyrie Lam will be the pick here so that is uh my top 25 all right uh, and I'll just take us. I'll I'll just go till the end of my pick now. Or my, yeah, uh, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, right. Okay, twenty-one. Like the Patriots going with Devin Lloyd. I think there's been a lot of buzz about this in the past couple uh, of days. Um, I think pa- Patriots need a linebacker. I think Bill loves his linebackers in the first round. Obviously, at Dante Hightower as the anchor of that defense for a million years. Uh, and I think Devin Lloyd, uh, he had a little bit of a rise, a little bit of a fall where people thought he was going to go. And I think it's still very possible, maybe even in the beginning of the second round or the late first round. But I think Patriots are going to take a linebacker here. And I think it could be Dean or Lloyd. And I think Lloyd is ultimately going to end up being the guy at 21. 22, John, uh, remember, this is actually um, the Falcons pick. So I have the Falcons going with a wide receiver, a worst, a worst wide receiver, but a wide receiver. Um, and just getting Jahan Dotson here. Uh, and I think they're just going to be happy with Jahan Dotson and that added draft capital. Uh, I think the Falcons will be. And then Cardinals, I agree with you. I do think they need a corner, but I do think they also need to add rushing after letting Chandler, Chandler Jones go. Jones, yeah. So I think they're going to go George Karloftis here. Uh, I think Boy Mafia could be the pick uh, for Minnesota, but I don't think a team is going to. I had him early. I was on the You love Boy Mafia. <laughs> Dude, I, you see, you know, I like him. He's one of these, you know, he's one of my guys. But uh, I, I don't know. I think a team is going to be skeptical to take him that early. So I'm going to go with George Karloftis uh, at 23. 
Um, and then at 24, I also have them going on. And but I think the Cowboys also need some material line help, or they do need some material line help. But I see Zion Johnson going here. I think that he has solidified himself over Tyler Linderbaum in the past couple of weeks. So I, I, I think Zion Johnson is going to be the guy for the Cowboys at 24. And if not Johnson, Linderbaum. But I agree that they're going to go with some interior offensive line help. Uh, at 25, uh, I think this is going to be secondary either way. Uh, I had Dax Hill going to the pads at 21 last week, but I haven't gone 25 this week. Um, I just kind of think, uh, like, I think they're either going to go with a corner or safety, and I think they need, they just need secondary help. And I think Dax Hill is just going to end up being the guy uh, if if uh, McDuffie is taken, because that's the rumor that they really like McDuffie. I, th- I could see Andrew Booth Jr. here too, but I- I'm going to go with uh, Daxton Hill. Uh, at 26, I think this is where Tyler Linderbaum's fall finally stops. Uh, I think the Titans really want some interior offensive line help. They obviously have the tackle solidified, but I think they really do need some uh, interior line help. Uh, and I think they're just going to try to keep stacking that offense up uh, out because they're kind of – I don't know if I want to say that they're stuck with Ryan Tannehill because he's not a bad quarterback, and he really only had one terrible game last year. And it happened – I don't know. I think they're stuck be, with – but, 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 I think – but, but my thing is, like, they are stuck with Ryan Panhill, and I think they're just going to try to make the offense around him as good as they can while they're stuck with him. And I think Tyler Linderbaum is just going to be one of those guys that they can slot in day one, play play a couple positions, uh, and just help solidify that offense. So, yeah. I think real quick before you move on, I because yeah. the Titans is an interesting thing. And it's like we've talked about this idea of, of the quarterbacking level in the NFL right now, and I, I just don't think Ryan Tannehill is, no, yeah. is at that level. And I think that's the problem with him is, I think Ryan Tannehill, like you said, like he's a, a, a solid quarterback. He's won games for them. He's done, you know, the Tennessee Titans last year with the one seed. Like he can win games. Like he, he is not a bad quarterback by any means. But in yeah, the yeah. playoffs, I mean, I just don't think he compares to these other guys in the AFC at the moment. And sure. we'll see. I mean, it, it's just tough. It, it's a very tough quarterbacking time in the NFL because we're seeing teams realize that, hey, our guy's not good enough right now to win a Super Bowl. We need to make a move. And is Ryan Tannehill good enough to win a Super Bowl? I would say no, and I'd assume you'd say probably the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. But in the meantime, I think they're just going to try yes. to do everything that they can. Yeah. Uh, and then at 27, here's where I have Andrew Booth Jr. going. Uh, I think it makes almost a little too much sense for the Buccaneers. Uh, they need secondary help. Their guys were dropping like flies last year. They had very little depth in that secondary, and it really came back to bite them in the playoffs. Um, and I think Andrew Booth Jr. is just going to be back there to help uh, provide some depth for the, for, for the Bucks. Um, they're going for the Super Bowl this year. They're not too focused on the infusion of youth, but I think that sec- that lack of secondary depth really came back to bite them once all, because at a certain point, all of their guys in the secondary were down. All of their corners were down. Yeah. Sean Murphy Bunting was hurt. Jamal, Jamal Dean was hurt. Uh, and they don't really have, you know, solid guys past those two, past those two corners. And I think Andrew Bougie. Carlton Davis too. Carlton Davis. And Andrew Booth and he was hurt too, though Carlton. Yeah, Davis. he was hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Andrew Booth Jr. I think is just going to be back there to provide some depth for the for the Bucks. So yeah, twenty eight, which is again uh, the Falcons pick. Actually, remember uh, is I'm going to have Devontae Wyatt here. Uh, they really need. This is just going to be a classic building through the trenches pick. I think Devontae Wyatt at this point is probably the best player available. It would actually shock me to see him fall this far, but I kind of just didn't have a place for him as I, as I got on. And I figured, you know, the Falcons really, really, really just need help in the trenches help. I mean, one of the worst rush defenses in the league last year, one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year, their first round pick last year, Jalen Mayfield was an offensive guard. He was a total disaster. 
Uh, I think they're just going to try to go build the trenches through the other way. And I think they're going to go with Devontae Wyatt here. So, yeah. And then here is where I have Traylon Burks. I didn't have them trading up for him like you did. I just had him falling. Uh, and I think Traylon Burks is the pick here. Uh, absolutely. If he is at 29, if he is at 29, this is about as no brainer as it gets for the Kansas city chiefs. Cause they're going to take a wide receiver. Traylon Burks is the fifth best wide receiver in this draft. Yeah. I think it's as simple as that. Uh, and here's where I have boy, my guy, boy, Mafe going, uh, chiefs need some edge help. Uh, and I think he's, going to go at the back end of the first round because I think teams really like his up. This is another guy. This is almost like a Trayvon Walker light type of thing uh, where he's a guy who didn't produce a ton in college, but they love his measurables. They love his intangibles, uh, these NFL guys. And I think he's going to be at the back end of the first round. I've had this pick for a couple weeks running now. So, uh, yeah. At 31, I'm going to have Kenyon Green. Uh, I've had a lot of interior offensive line help or for, for the Bengals for a while at Linderbaum past couple weeks, but uh, I have Ken Young Green uh, going here. And I think that the Bengals, if one of Green or Linderbaum are there, are going with them. And I think Ken Young Green actually is a very good shot of going here. So I'm going to go with Ken Young Green. Uh, and then at the end of this first round, I have a huge surprise, but uh, it's been talked about a lot in these past couple weeks. The idea of Sam Howell, who at one time was thought of before, you know, this year started – at one time was thought of as the, you know, the number one guy in this draft. Um, obviously at a very disappointing season for UNC. This is the first mock draft of mine he's appeared in. Um, and I think this is going to be a bet that the Lions are willing to take at 32. Uh, I had Ritter here a couple weeks ago, but Ritter, obviously, I think his stock has improved. I think it's going to be very hard for the Lions uh, to, to get him at 32. And I think they, they want, they're going to walk out of this first round with a quarterback either way. And I think Sam Hill is going to end up being that guy. And he's sort of Scott up, shot up sort of from uh, maybe a mid second round pick to sort of creeping into that back into the first round. And I think the lions are going to take a bet on him. So, yeah. Interesting. Sam Howe quarterback Detroit lions. Interesting. Um, all right. So I'll share my last uh, seven or so picks, I believe uh, 26. I got. So I, have four, I have four quarterbacks going in the first round. Quarterbacks. Okay, very interesting. Um, I'm Zion Johnson going to the Tennessee Titans. I agree with you that this team needs help in the O line, specifically at the interior of that O line. I think uh, Zion Johnson and Tyler Linderbaum have solidified themselves as the top two interior O linemen in this draft, and I think that this is where Zion Johnson will ultimately go. I agree with you. I think Tennessee at this point needs to just try and build around Ryan Tannehill and that team and. You know, they've got some some good players, obviously, A.J. Brown, Derek Henry, Julio Jones is gone. Obviously, that experiment didn't work out. Um, but Zion Johnson, uh, I think, would be a very quality selection here. 27, I have the New York Jets trading up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and selecting Brees Hall out of Iowa State. Um, bit of a surprising move, but I think the Jets have shown to be aggressive. They've got draft capital. I think First they can round throw- running back. First round running back, Brees Hall. Um, look, I think last year we saw that, you know, running backs at the end of the day, I don't think the teams like to take them at this point. And, and, you know, we, it's interesting because a few years ago, I was actually talking about it to, uh, someone the other day that, you know, a few years ago, you saw obviously Leonard Fournette go top five, Zeke Elliott was number four, Saquon Barkley at number two. And you will never see that. Yeah. Days of that are no longer for sure. Which is crazy. But I think that, uh, in these 20s, man, we saw it last year. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne started falling around then. And then on day two, you started to see a bunch of running backs go. I think the New York Jets, I think Michael Carter's a great player. 
but I think that this team would benefit from adding Brees Hall too. And, and, you know, building that one, two punch in the backfield there for them, I think would be huge. I think Brees Hall has got a chance to be a great player. I think the Jets have draft capital in these, you know, day two picks to afford a, a trade into the late first here. And why not? I think Brees Hall could, uh, you know, really be a quality player. I think Michael Carter's good. I just don't know if he's good enough to be a superstar running back in the NFL. And I think that it's worth taking a flyer on Brees Hall here and pairing the two of them together could be really something special. So I got the Jets trading up for Brees Hall. 28, I have Christian Watson going here. Um, I think Christian Watson's a, a, you know, I believe he ran the fastest time in the in the draft um, or in the combine, I should say. And I think teams like that, I think this is almost like a Marquez Valdez-Scantling replacement for the Green Bay Packers, kind of a speedy guy that Aaron Rodgers can get the ball to downfield. Um, this Packers team's going to look a lot different, but I think if they can come out of the draft with Christian Watson and uh, who do I have them at 22? George Karlaftis. I think that's a very quality first round for them. 29, I got the Philadelphia Eagles here, trading back, obviously, um, about right. 10 or 11 spots. And I, I think they're going to go Devin Lloyd at this pick. I know you think they're going to go corner. I think that it's a, a very well possibility, especially um, at 18. If they if they do retain that pick, I think it'll probably be a cornerback. But I think at this spot, um, with some of these corners already going, you could see Dax Hill here. I mean, there's talk, you know, he'll be a corner in the NFL maybe. I don't know. I think Devin Lloyd is a good player, and I think the Philadelphia Eagles would take him at this spot. Linebacker's not their strong, strongest position, and I think Devin Lloyd is a player who uh, you know, could very well go in the early 20s or even the late you know, teens or whatever. I mean, this draft could be crazy. Uh, but Devin Lloyd, a guy who I originally had in my top 10 in the first mock draft, as crazy as that was, um, you know, 29, I think he'll be happy to be a first-rounder. Pick 30, I got the Kansas City Chiefs here back taking back the linebackers. Um, I think Nicobe Dean, I, I think that honestly he he might end up going way higher than people expect. I think that team there's definitely some teams out there that I think love this guy. Um I, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs could use another linebacker. I think corner is a spot where again, it's an interesting for both these teams, the Eagles and the Chiefs. I think they're both in need of corners. I just think at this spot, I don't love any of the corners going here. I think they'd probably take a flyer on one of these linebackers and try to improve in corner later. So, Nicobe Dean here, 31. I got the Cincy Bengals taking Jalen Petra out of Peter, whatever, how do you ever pronounce that name, out of Baylor. Um, kid I don't really know much about, but I think Cincy wants a, another corner, and I think that this is a pick that makes sense for them and, uh, you know, a, a good player. And then at 32, I have the Detroit Lions taking Daxon Hill. Um a lot of, uh, you know, some corners at the end of this draft, a lot of corners in this first round for me, but I think Daxon yeah. Hill, I think Detroit, you know, I've stacked. had them going quarter. It's an absolutely stacked corner draft. It absolutely is. Absolutely stacked. It is. And I've had Detroit going quarterback here for a long time, but the reason I don't have them going quarterback here is I believe that, do they own their the 34th pick in the draft? Yeah, I think they do. So I think at this point, when you have a team like Jacksonville behind you that you know yeah, is not going right. to take a quarter quarterback, you know, Dax Hill could be their pick very well. This, this team could use some secondary help. So I think, you know, this team would, you know, wait a spot and, and at 34 most likely have their quarterback that um, that they would pick at 32. So I think realistically that this pick, even though I've had it at quarterback, I just don't think it'll be the pick. So I'm going to go Dax and Hill. And uh, yeah, that will do it for our final mock draft. It's so crazy that it is we'll see you right then I, I i think we both just tried to you know go for something creative something you know not uh black and white that at the end know, of the day we had fun with it and i mean do we want to get a little wager going on maybe set up a correct 
picks. I mean, I, you know, I'm always got down for a good wager. You know me, of course. All right. Well, we'll probably figure something out. Off we'll, we'll figure, we'll, we'll figure. Um, and some sort of point ranking system. Um, we do have a lot of similarities though, but there are a few, there's, there's no, some there's differences definitely for sure. Some major differences though. I think we could, uh, it's very different. We've had some similar ones in the past. Um, I do real quick before we talk about the NBA playoffs, I do want to ask you your thoughts on the Debo Samuel situation, because I think it's very fascinating. I think Debo Samuel is Debo Samuel has the ability this week to really change the course of this draft potentially if he gets traded. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, what do you think on the situation? Where do you think he's going to end up? Because it seems like at this point, it's probably not going to be with the 49ers. So it's something I never really thought of, but his request makes sense because at the end of the day, he might get one large contract, but what he's doing is probably ensuring himself for much more money in the future. Uh, It also seems like he doesn't love being in San Francisco. That's what a lot of people say that he doesn't love actually like being in California. Um, But this idea about him, like, his, his request makes sense from a standpoint of like, I don't want to be a running back because obviously we know running backs are often out of the league by 27, 28. And obviously Debo doesn't want that to happen because Debo Samuel on his wide receiver, you know, on the merits alone of being a wide receiver, he's one of the best, he's one of the best there is. So look, is it going to hurt his offensive production a little bit? Yes. But from his standpoint, do I think it's smart? Do I think it's the right move? I do. What's going to interest me is, will San Francisco trade with a team like Tampa Bay, who they consider to be probably one of their biggest rivals for the NFC throne right now? Uh, Are they going to trade to a team like another contender like Kansas City? That's the thing that's going to interest me, and I think that's what could give the team like a New York Jets the advantage. I don't know how willing that the Niners are going to be. uh, I think the Jets are obviously going to be in on Debo. They're all in on Tyree Kill. Um, they want a wide receiver. Uh, and like you said, I wonder if they're going to be willing to give up one of those top 10 picks for Debo. Um, that's the big question mark, because if they're going to spend a, a, wide, a top 10 pick on a wide receiver, then you might as well trade it for Debo at that point, right? The question yeah. is, do the Niners want two of them? And at that point, I'd be very skeptical of doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean... I think you're just going to start to see this a lot now. I think this is the new age of, of professional sports players of agency players are going to ask out and it makes it a lot enter- more entertaining for me as long until it happens to my team, which it will happen soon. I'm sure. But look, I, it makes sense from Debo's perspective. I think it's probably going to hurt his offense, offensive output, not by an insignificant margin, but it's the right decision from his standpoint. And I think what ultimately drove this, I don't think he asked out if he truly wants to be in San Francisco. That's, that's the ultimate bottom line. I think that's the ultimate decision maker. I think Kyle Shanahan, he could have sat down with Kyle Shanahan and said, I want to play a reduced role running the ball. And I think Kyle Shanahan knowing how special Debo is as a wide receiver would have said, okay, we'll figure something out. Uh, Because the wider, the Niners offered this man the money. They did. They offered this man the money to, to, to play there. And I just think he doesn't want to be, a, doesn't want to be in San Francisco. There've been interview clips. I'm sure you've seen him about saying like, I don't like California. It's not my, like, it's not like where I want to be. So I think that's the ultimate, you know, driving factor behind it. So. I think it's crazy. I mean, I think it, uh, yeah, I agree. I think San Francisco is more than willing to pay the guy. I think at this point it's clear that he, he you know, doesn't want to be there potentially. Um, I mean, I think that you look at a team like the New York Jets 
And I think the New York Jets are in a prime position to, to trade for this guy. I think that they've got to be the favorites right now. I mean, you could look at a team like Philadelphia as a team that really could put a strong offer up there with two yeah. first-round picks. But is that in their best interest to give up all that draft capital when they might yeah, be able probably. to get a guy like Jameson Williams? Probably not at this point with their team. Um, you know, the Chiefs are a very interesting team. I think the Kansas City Chiefs would give up almost anything they trade for Debo Samuel. Um, you know, will that happen? I don't know. You could look at the Colts, but they don't really have the ammunition. I mean, I think the, the I think the Jets have to be favorites because right now no team that's in this com- competition, besides probably the Eagles, I guess, for him, have the ability to really give whatever. And I think the New York Jets, I mean, I think that I've heard reports they're willing to give up pick 10. I think pick four needs to be off limits. I think that they need to make that selection um, no matter what, essentially. I think that pick 10 is interesting. If you have to give it up, you have to give it up. But I mean, if the New York Jets can find a way to give up, you know, I I think the New York Jets, let me look at their draft real quick. Um, I just want to see their, their full list of selections for this year. Draft. Sorry. I think if you're the New York Jets right now, I'm getting on the phone with the San Francisco 49ers and offering 35, 38, 69, and one of your fourth round picks for Evo Samuel and making the 49ers say no to that. Because I think that if you can keep your two top 10 picks and trade for Debo Samuel, that's the best you could do in this draft, no matter what. Yeah. I think that you would land, you could then focus your attention to landing, like we've talked about, an edge rusher and a cornerback with those two top 10 picks, which I think they're more than capable of doing. And then I think you land the best playmaker you would get in the draft, regardless, in Debo Samuel, a top 10 wide receiver already. And he's still so young. I mean, he's in his what, four, going into his fourth season now? I mean, yeah. I think the New York Jets should. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to acquire Devo Samuel for that, but I think that, you know, look, having two of the first, you know, they have 35 and 38 are, you know, second rounder. So I think that helps. And I mean, I would trade, I would trade right now your, besides your first two rounders, your next four picks for Devo Samuel, I think 35, 38, 69, 111. And you tell, you make the 49ers say no to, yeah. and it is a lot, but I mean, I think that if you put that on the table, you just, Make the 49ers say no to that because I think that's a very tough offer to pass up for a team like the 49ers without a first-round pick. They do have some holes to fill. That That's a really good haul for them. For Even though it's not a first-round pick, you would get two early seconds. And in this draft, how deep it is, it, it really could be a big haul. I mean, that's you could land David Ojabo most likely with one of those picks potentially, who on that defense would be a, a scary, scary sight. So I don't know. I think the New York Jets are in a very good position. What the hole ultimately will be, I'm very curious to see. Or if the 49ers even trade him, they might say, no, we're not trading him. And I mean, it's yeah. going to be a very interesting situation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. With that, we will move over to the NBA. Um, right now, I mean, the Bucks are uh, closing out. They've got a minute left. They'll win. So they're going to be up 3-1. But, I mean, this has been a uh, very interesting NBA playoffs, to say the least, so far. I mean, Boston up 3-0. It looks absolutely like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Let's so, talk I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, I think, at this point. Seems like um, they could be using a certain playmaker right now who wore the number 13, don't, don't they? Seems <laughs> like who they could be missing. That team – all right, I'm going to go on a rant about Ben Simmons now. 
Oh God. Ben Simmons, if you ever see this, and I hope you do, you are the biggest fraud to ever walk this planet. <laughs> you know what? There couldn't be a better metaphor than that clown <laughs> sitting on the sideline through rose-tinted glasses, through rose-colored glasses, watching his team get run off the court in a crucial game three. This is a legacy standard for Kyrie. This is a legacy standard for Ben. And most of all, it is a legacy standard for Kevin Durant, who has been a complete ghost in this series. And if he wants to be compared to LeBron, and if he wants to even be compared to Giannis and Jokic and Embiid and these top guys right now, he's not there. He's not with these top guys. Nikola Jokic is the only other guy who's down 3-0, and we should compare Nikola Jokic and Kevin Durant's teammates. I think that would be a really fun exercise. He has disappeared, Kevin Durant. This is one of the most fraudulent pers- – I don't I, – I have to reevaluate my entire perception of Kevin Durant because <laughs> this is a guy who was thought to be the best player in the world and has completely disappeared. He's been taken out of a playoff series. Kyrie Irving, what is that? What is he doing? They, they, they don't have an offensive game plan. They don't have a coherent step. I hate to say it, and I'm going to say it, and I don't hate to say it. I actually love to say it. James Harden was the glue. He was the glue. They need a playmaker. It is so obvious they need a point guard. It is so unbelievably obvious, and they don't have one. And God almighty, God almighty, are they screwed. They are screwed. Drummond gone. No big man. Seth's going to leave. Like, their future relies on, like, Ben and Katie and Kyrie. Like, Katie and Kyrie are not good enough to cut it. Like they're not good enough to cut it against Jason Tatum. They're not good enough to cut it against Jess. I don't think they're good enough to cut it to cut it against JH and MB. Like, I don't think like, like the other top teams in the East, like you expected this series at this point to be two, one in either direction. Like this is a joke. Like they're getting destroyed. Like, and these scores are not indicative of the game. Even the buzzer beater game, like the Celtics are running this team off the court, especially last night where they were up 15 with like three minutes left and the Nets made it look good at the end. Like they're getting run off the court, the Brooklyn Nets. And Ben Simmons is sitting there faking a goddamn injury because he doesn't want to play. And I hope he plays on Monday so he can be the first player eliminated in back-to-back games. The Brooklyn Nets lost the trade. And the meanwhile, the Sixers are cruising against a team that everybody said that they were going to lose to. Like, whatever, get the Nets out of here. Thank you. Thank you for giving us our all-star caliber player and helping us and helping us make our championship push. This team is not good enough and they are run by incompetence. Also, Steve Nash is the coach and that's a Kevin Durant decision, by the way. That's another Kevin Durant decision. Like this guy has been taken out of a playoff series. Like it's a legacy stainer and he is not with those top tier of guys. I think that, uh, this has been a very disappointing season and a very bis- disappointing series for the Brooklyn Nets. Like you said, I mean, give credit to where credit's due. I mean, this Boston yeah, the, Celtics team is one heck of yeah, a team. I mean, they they're are the one of the, they're probably the best defensive team in the National Basketball Association. Yeah, by a wide margin. By uh, a wide Marcus margin. Smart, you got Tatum, Jalen Brown. I mean, the names go on and on about this team. They are incredible defensively. They've got incredible coaching from top to bottom. Yep. This is a great team. Um, Jason Tatum is a, a top eight or nine player at this point in the NBA, I would say. Uh, he's taken over. He is, uh, he's a superstar. Another elite he, defensive player. Yes, he is. I mean, in terms of the Brooklyn Nets, I think that they, at the end of the day, Steve Nash should have been fired the day he was hired. I mean, he is he's just not a coach. <laughs> That's a good that. I mean, um, they've got no game plan out there. And, and look, I, I think that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, sure, they've played bad and they've disappeared at times in this series. And, and absolutely, they are put, put 
partly to blame, fully to blame for for this demise. But well, I think I think let me just interject for one second. I think yeah. what makes it so painful is that the Nets role guys stepped up. And I think if you had said that, then a lot of people would have picked the Nets to win this series. But sorry, yeah. continue. I just think that with Steve Nash as the head coach right now, there's just no plans. I mean, there's just not they they they've got they're just not prepared for this series and for this team for how good they are defensively. And they they have no they're not running anything. They're, there's no game plan there's no plays that they're they're able to function i mean they've just got they're just out there playing essentially um i think ben simmons i mean at this point i, I don't even know if i'd bother playing him um i mean i think this ser- series is over i don't think ben simmons at this point you know he's probably gonna be on a minutes restriction as it is because he hasn't played all year but at this point i mean if he plays he, you can't put ben simmons in there for 15 minutes if he's gonna play you have to play like he's just got to play yeah. the whole game at this point uh, katie and Kyrie. i mean i know you can't play these guys the whole game but like they got to suck it up. They missed like two minutes yesterday. Like, yeah, I mean, they, they're going to be playing these games. And, man, it, I mean, it, another disappointment. I mean, we'll see what happens in the offseason, obviously, with Brooklyn. Um, I mean, I do want to touch on your your 76ers here real quick. I mean, I, I, I'm i going to be honest. I think that the 76ers are in a weird spot because, obviously, Toronto, I mean, they're playing a good series. But, you know, Embiid now has got this thumb issue. I mean, I, I think I'm they're not worried really... about the thumb issue. It's not a Sixers playoff run until the Embiid until the Embiid injury comes up. Well, it's not a Sixers playoff run until they get eliminated, and I think that unfortunately is what they're headed towards. Um, they're gonna, I, 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 I think that they're gonna beat whoever of Miami and Atlanta. I out. think that they probably will beat Miami. I think that, I think that the Boston Celtics or the Milwaukee yeah, Bucks are gonna be going to the NBA Finals. I think that the Celtics are just so strong. Like I think the defense is just, it's so, I mean, we are seeing what they're doing and obviously, you know, Joel like, Embiid would be a, a very interesting, uh, and even Giannis, I mean, those are two, these yeah, are very I different think players. Those right? are the two. Yeah. Agree, I, I'm in agreement. I think those are the two guys where it's like, can these be the guys that can solve the, the Bucks defense? Like the Celtics defense, like to me, it's just very hard for a Celtics team. And they're the East favorites. Don't get me wrong. They're the NBA favorites. Them and the Warriors, I think, are probably the two clear-cut favorites yeah. as of right now. Don't get me wrong. Like, the Celtics are great, but it's so hard to beat a team or to beat teams where it goes Nets, Bucks, Sixers. Like, that's a very hard playoff run. Like, yeah, they're going to be I physically – dealing with Giannis and Embiid back-to-back and stuff. And – I, I, I do want to touch on this Miami Atlanta series for a second. Can, I, can we we'll touch yeah, yeah, on sorry, that? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I just yeah. want to jump in. I think that if I'm being honest, yeah. I think that I think yeah. that the Milwaukee Bucks are just such a tough team. And I think that yeah. I, I do believe that they're going to be in the finals. And I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is just, I think he is he's just too good. I think he's a level above everyone. I, I think he is. I don't think it's possible to stop Giannis. I don't think there's a player in the NBA that can stop him. I really don't. I, I think we're going to see this Boston. I think this Boston Bucks series at this point is going to be very fascinating. I think for the Sixers that, I mean, I, I would be honest in saying that I think they would probably want the Bucks to win that series because I think that yeah, if you look at the absolutely. Celtics, I think the Celtics, James Harden, I think would become a non-factor like we've seen Kyrie and KD almost become. I think it would that series would heavily rely on the play of jo- Joel Embiid. Heavily, he would have to be sensational, I think, for them to beat the Boston Celtics. Whereas, I think against the Bucks, I think we could still see. I mean, obviously, the Bucks are a good defensive team. I think James Harden, though, and and the Bucks pro- probably pose a bit of a, a tougher time for Joel Embiid. But I think that 
I think I, that like I I think there's no doubt. I would rather have the Bucks than the Celtics because I think the Celtics. The issue with the Celtics is that you don't. How do you even beat them? Because I think the other issue is like how good actually is Brooklyn? Because like if Brooklyn turns out that they were actually just really bad, like and the, then this just turns into a two seed running over a seven seed, like that's what it turns into. But the thing with Milwaukee is that I don't believe in them at all, and I think their ring was completely fraudulent. But like that's a whole other that's a whole other story. Like I just don't believe in Milwaukee at all. I don't think they're that good. Like. Their ring isn't fraudulent, though. No rings are fraudulent, but uh, except for the Raptors. Sorry. Uh, I, I think Boston is much better than Milwaukee. Like, I think Milwaukee probably has the best defense for Giannis in the NBA. Giannis and be like, I think Robert Williams is that guy. Like, he is that guy as a defender. And them getting him back and him not seemingly not losing a step is crazy to me. And this, that's what makes me even more miffed about this Ben Simmons thing is like, what is keeping him out this long? Like, this back thing, I don't know. But I think, like, the Celtics are just pose a nightmare matchup from any for anybody. And I think the Celtics-Warriors finals matchup, because that's my prediction as of right now, uh, the Celtics-Warriors finals matchup is going to be great. And I, I, I think what I think it is going to end up being a Sixers-Celtics-Eastern Conference final. And I would probably say Celtics and Six would be my official prediction. But I think, like... This idea of James Harden being completely neutralized, I would actually say, like, the play, that series outcome depends on whether James Harden can get going. Like, the thing to me is the Sixers have not even – the Sixers have not gotten out of second gear against the Raptors instead of outside of, like, game – the end of game three. Like, they're much superior to the Raptors, which is why I'm – I understand what you were saying about, like, this idea of, like, the Sixers cruising doesn't really move you and, like – uh, I just think like it's so tough to play the Nets and the Bucks back to back, and then have a team who's played like the Raptors and the Heat, who I think are just like far inferior to those two teams. Because I think that the Sixers would honestly dispose of the Heat in like five games. Like I think that the Heat are terrible. They don't have a one A. It could like, be Atlanta. Have... I mean, that series is not over yet. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm tempted to pick Atlanta in that series to be honest, because Atlanta should have won Game Two. It all depends on Trey Young. It all depends on yeah. Trey Young. Trey Young's performance at the end of game two, or at the end of game three, was unbelievable. He had 10 points in the in the final three minutes. Uh, obviously, that when he's season. on, he's he's a, it, you, it's literally impossible to stop him yeah, when he's on. And look, the self look, the Heat are missing Kyle Lowry at this stage. I don't think he's gonna play game four, which is huge. If Atlanta takes this game four, man, it's huge for the Sixers either way. Because they're going to get a week off if Atlanta wins this and they close out tomorrow night because then they're it's a best of three series, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I think Atlanta or Miami, I think neither of those teams can seriously compete for the East. But to yeah. me, the Celtics are so strong. I don't realistically see anybody beating them. Uh, I like the Milwaukee Bucks. But in reality, I just think that the Celtics, it's going to be a great matchup, two great defensive teams, but JB and Jason Tatum are just unbelievable. Jason Tatum, as a defender, forget him being one of the best offensive players in the game, as a defender, has shut KD down. I mean, Jason Tatum has been worlds better than Kevin Durant this series and hasn't even been close. Um, Yeah, so I, I think the Celtics are unstoppable. They'd probably be my pick to win it all. 
Uh, it, it's so painful because they're really like the Sixers Cowboys for me, but it's like, sucks. I got a Sixers Celtics Eastern conference finals. And I think the outcome of that completely depends on whether James Harden shows up. Uh, and for the Nets, they don't have a point guard to run that offense. That's what it is to me. Like their coaching is suboptimal. Like, Look at James Harden's. I Big understand. Ben. Ben 10's coming in to play point. Yeah. 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 Ben and Drummond playing together. That should look really nice on the court. <laughs> <laughs> they should try to have Ben play center. That worked out really well for the Sixers. They should try to do that. Like, Ben is not it at all, man. This is not a guy who's coming well, to see the season. Ben Simmons is better when he has been playing. And obviously – Look, I, I think it's going to be a – I don't like, think he's going to be what he was in this series. My thing is, played. to you, Griff, like, Griff, like, he's going to eat into Bruce Brown's minutes. And can – like, can he realistically be any better, like, coming in cold? Can he realistically – I think be Ben Simmons – what Ben Simmons has to do is just play de- – I think if Ben Simmons can just play defense and, and serve as a help to them slowing down Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, that would be huge we should see. We should, we should see what Ben's defense looks like without Joel Embiid backing him up in the paint. I said it last week. This dude – Behind almost every elite perimeter defender is an elite interior defender. Smart and Williams, Bridges, and uh, Aiton. Like, let's see how he looks without an interior elite interior defender. Like, Ben is not that guy to come in and save their season. And the next – I, I don't think he's going to save the season. I'm not saying that at all. I think that – I'm just very curious to see how this team plays. And I think that Ben Simmons is – can be a useful piece for the Brooklyn Nets. I think that he could be. I think he can be useful, but I don't think realistically. Just I don't think he makes them better than the Bucks. I don't think he makes them better than us. I don't think he makes them better, especially not. Especially not right now, but season, giving them a year to play together. I mean, who knows what it will look like? That, but th- at this point, they've never played together. That's the problem. At this right, point, they're not good enough. Like who's like one of them is inevitably is inevitably going to have a six months six months injury. You have three guys who can't stay on the court. Well, Kyrie is healthy. He's just yeah, but Kyrie is always hurt though. Kyrie is always hurt. Outside of this year, it's like the first year he has. He has played eleven seasons in the NBA, right? Four of those seasons, he's played over sixty games. You have three guys who can't stay healthy, and that's what it is. And they built their teams or built their team around that, and they got rid of James Harden. And you know what? James Harden was right to leave that walking reality show. <laughs> that's what it is. It's a walking reality show. He came, he left a walking around show to a team that wants to win a championship. And <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it is. He made the right decision. Whatever. All right. Let's move on to the Western conference. Yeah. Um, I mean, the West at this point, I mean, I told you, man, that Timberwolves series was going to yeah, be no, a no, tight no. You're right. You're right. That's, I told I'm, you about the Celtics though, to be fair. You did. We, we both kind of, you know, predicted something. I mean, look, you also were right about the Golden State Warriors. I think the Golden State Warriors at this point, are the favorites. I mean, Phoenix right now with Devin Booker's injury, you know, they, they might, I think that Pelican series is going to probably end up going to six or seven games to be realistic. I mean, tonight's obviously a huge tonight game. Is big, tonight is the big night really, I yeah. think for the Pelicans. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, but obviously Denver, I mean, they're so banged up. I mean, poor Nikola Jokic, but I mean, Jazz Mavericks is a good series and Timberwolves Grizzlies. Let's start with the Timberwolves Grizzlies. I mean, this really should be a series where Minnesota is up 3-1 at the moment. I mean, oh my God. I mean, it that really was should be because Minnesota three. really, you can make the argument, could have a sweep. <laughs> like Minnesota, Minnesota has been, I think, by far they, the better. No, yeah, because the issue is like, I think Minnesota. And they, they love a good protest in Minnesota. They do. <laughs> Dude, I mean, look, look, I mean, I me and you going on the court next game, right? <laughs> 
Dude, that security guard was on his money last night. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Uh, yeah, look, Minnesota, I think Cat, sorry, this is going to be non-basketball related, but Cat might be the corniest human being alive. Did you see his interview last night? No, I didn't. It was like, it was like he got over and he was just like, that's what we're supposed to do. Like, bro, you blew a 26-23 two <laughs> nights ago. Like, come on. The issue with Cat, though, is that he sees himself as on Nikola Jokic, Giannis's, and Embiid's level, and he's like, not even close to that level at yeah. all. And I think, like, he's a very good player, though. He's a great player, but not with those. He's not, I mean, look, we're Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, like, those are two of the all time potential centers. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But, but look, like, the, the Timberwolves, the issue is when with a healthy Devin Booker, and he'll be back after game four, apparently. With the health, really? Of, that's what they're saying. I think so. They said he was going to be out two to three weeks. That makes no sense. Really? It probably depends. If they win Game Four, I doubt he's going to play. But yeah, maybe if it's two two, know. they'll put him in. Hold on, let me. But yeah, whatever. Regardless, with the healthy Devin Booker and the Warriors, I think the, those two teams are just so far above everyone else in the West. I don't even know if it's worth talking about the other teams like Nuggets, fraudulent MVP back to back. But whatever, like. It's not even his fault, though, man. No, I mean, it's he not, should have it's Jamal not. Murray and like MVP. MVP needs a MVP needs to get a game, in my opinion. Whatever. My thing is, all right, I'm gonna go out on, on a little MVP right now. So, like, my, <laughs> oh, only, my only thing is just like to be a back-to-back MVP. Like, you're supposed to be a, to have done something really special. Like Steph's back-to-back MVPs, Giannis's back-to-back MVPs. Like he was doing, they were doing some special shit. Like Jokic and Embiid have been so close to me, where it's like, how can you give Jokic two in a row? Like. And KD made this point in his press conference the other day, and he was like, to be the back-to-back – he was like, I felt I should have been the back-to-back MVP in 13 and 14, which is one of the years LeBron's won it. But he was like, I understood that to be the back at, back-to-back MVP, you have to be even better. You have to be essentially the god of basketball in your second year. And to me, like, Jokic didn't separate himself from Embiid enough for them to give it to Jokic for the second year in a row. I think this is Embiid's year. It's going to suck that all Embiid's going to have to show for one of the greatest seasons by a center. Shaq with a three-point shot, as I like to call him, uh, is – what what the all you're gonna see is an all NBA second team and an MVP runner up. It is what it is though. Um, look, Warriors and Suns are just a tier above everybody else in this conference. And look, Memphis is up and coming, but that they're nowhere near that. They're they're stage. nowhere near. And look, and I, to me, the main culprit for this for Memphis not stepping up, John Morant has not been good in this series no. at all. Look, disrespect. It was disrespectful to compare this guy to Trey Young. Because he is not on Trey Young's level. Trey Young is a proven playoff performer in tough environments. Desmond Bain has been the Grizzlies' best player. Desmond Bain is a player, man. Sensational, man. Yeah. Look, he's uh, a stud. Look, him and Tyrese Max here. Him and Tyrese Max here, the total steals of that draft class, both taken in the late, both taken in the 20s uh, in that draft class, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, But yeah, I think just the Grizzlies. What this series confirms to me is that John needs to take another leap and that they probably need to make a move for another all NBA caliber player in order to take that step towards competing with uh, uh, Golden State and Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I said it at the beginning of the when I was predicting this series. I just think Memphis was like a regular season culprit. And I think that's what we've seen. I, I just don't think this team is good enough to seriously win in the playoffs. And I think. What I like about Minnesota is I think they've just got that hard-fought mentality and that they, they've got that, 
I think they believe in themselves more than any other team believes in themselves in these playoffs right now. I think that Minnesota truly believes that they can beat anyone and, and at any given time that they can win a game. And I think that that really can do something for you. I think, I think that it really showed something the way after they lost game three, blowing that huge lead to come back and get a win the next game. I think it really shows something because that is a loss where as a team, you can just fold and say, Oh, we weren't supposed to be here. We got in the play in we're done. The season's over. And to come back and win a close yeah, game like that, I think definitely. it really says something about the Timberwolves. I think, like you said, I mean, Desmond Bain has really been the only, I mean, he's been the thing that's keeping the, kept the Grizzlies in this game. John Moran. I mean, I disagree with you. I think John Moran is, I mean, he's had a bad series, no doubt. And I don't think, you know, I don't think he's at that, like, like you said, Trey young level where Trey young can win a playoff series by himself. He is that guy. Yeah. Des, John Moran's not that guy, but, John Moran, I mean, he's a sensational player. He took a huge lead this year. But yes, Trey Young, I mean, I think Trey Young's one of the few players right now in the NBA that single-handedly can win a playoff series by himself. He is that good when he is on. The issue with Trey is, like, it all depends. When Kyle Lowry went out. Well, we saw game one what happened with Trey. Yeah, like, the issue with him is, like, he'll get hunted repeatedly on defense. And just as easily as you can as he can shoot you back into a game, like he'll take you out of it on defense is the only issue, but it's much easier to hide a player on defense than it is to step up on offense, which is why he's such a great player. I mean, Trey young is just, I think Trey young is, he is just, he owns the I, Sixers. Trae, I can't even say anything. He, he owns the Sixers simply. He, and I mean, the, like what he did to the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks were a bad, I don't think the Knicks were a good team last year, but just the way he just shut up everyone. I mean, I, saw, I watched it live this year in the play-in. Like this guy, when he and he in that first half yeah. was horrific, but when he is on, oh, yeah, it's and that's, impossible to yeah, stop Trey Young. That, that's it is crazy, impossible. That's the craziest thing about Trey Young is that his mentality is is he has the greatest mentality of anybody in the NBA because this this is a guy who was something like four for fifteen before the last three minutes, and he just decided like I'm going to start launching the ball, and it didn't, and he wouldn't miss. And he hit the game-winning yeah. shot. Like that's an um, like that's the closer mentality. Like that's what he believes in himself, no matter what's going like, on. That's like that's like you know, obviously to be like one of the best to be a relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. That's the mentality you have to have. Like mm-hmm. that's like the mentality that he has. Like this is the this is a guy who will just come out and keep firing. And like to me, like back to like to bring it back to KD. Like I didn't see that from KD yesterday. Like it looked like KD gave up. Like it looked mm-hmm. like he gave up midway through the fourth quarter. And it's something that you know. What's very impressive to me about this Hawks team is that they were leading the whole game and they gave up a 21 nothing run and they were down 16, which is crazy to me. And they fought back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this Hawks team can definitely win this series. Do I see them beating the Sixers? Mm-hmm. No, but I think this is definitely, I think that the Heat have a lot of question marks they have to answer because they don't have a true one A as of right now. And I'm a big Jimmy guy, but at this stage of his career, he's a number two option. I think, I mean, I know we've gone all over the place and I mean, I don't think, I think this can kind of be our final topic. I don't think we have to yeah, really sure. get into the jazz and Mavericks, but I think that, man, I w- I really wish Trey Young had a true one, one B option with him. I mean, sure. if you gave Trey Young another superstar. Trey Young and Embiid together. Hawks would be in serious right? contention to win, win the, the East. I mean, you give this guy, like, I don't know what type of player, but like, trying to think like a good four like even like a maybe even like a paul george or someone like that just someone who's like a a really solid player man that atlanta hawks team would be tough to beat i think dude. because yeah no i mean 
I think you also have to remember, like, Clint Capella is hurt right now. I think if Clint Capella can get back for game six or game seven, it looks unlikely, but if he can get back for game six or game seven, the Miami Heat really have to watch out. Today is the crucial game. Because yeah. I believe if the if Heat the Hawks, win, I think the series is over. But if the Hawks win this game, dude, they're probably winning the series. Yeah, they're probably winning the series. I mean, I think this is really the series decider today. So we'll see. But yeah. Yeah. We'll see for sure. I think that will do it though for this week's episode of Outside the Arena. I know it's getting yeah. very long. Um, so thank you guys all for watching. Uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Follow us both on Instagram at Outside the Arena Podcast. Um Check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, And, yeah, with that, uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking more NBA, NFL draft, maybe even a little MLB in there. We'll figure it out. We'll try and get the MLB in there um, in the next two weeks or so. We'll talk about that. And with that, though, uh, that will do it for this week's episode of Outside the Arena. And we'll see you all guys. We'll see you guys all next week. Take it easy, guys.